Today is Thursday. We talk about the stories of the awliya. This is a statement of Hassan al-Basri. At the mention of the Salihin, mercy comes down. If you ever feel upset, you read about the Salihin. You're going to be uplifted. Why? Because they are the embodiment of the Quran. They are the, the action of the Sunnah. So it's one thing to read the Quran and read the Hadith and read the Sirah. It's another thing to actually read people who lived it. And the most pure Salihin are those closer, the further closer to the time of the Prophet, the purer they are and the better they are and the more virtuous. But the closer to us in history, the more influential they are upon us. So if you, if you meet somebody, if you read about a righteous person who lived like 10 years ago, they share so much of the life that we share. So we're closer to them. But you read about, but we, we believe the people further back are more virtuous. But the people closer to us, they, they're more influential upon us because they share the same life that we live. They share the same problems. They probably, they have to face the same rock and hard place situations that we have to face. You got to text your mom, sure. Okay. All right, so here we go. Today we're going to talk about Rabi' al-Adawiyah. Rabi' al-Adawiyah, everything we know about her is legend. In other words, there's no real um, facts behind it. There's no real senad. We don't know for sure that, you know, that anything of this is true. Except the idea that it's been stated so much by reputable scholars as pious stories that it's come into acceptance. This is what's known in English as a hagiography, which is a story that you really like. It's been said so much, we really don't know where it came from. There's no chain of transmission for this. But it's well known that she was a, lived in the era of the tabi' al-tabi'in, the followers of the followers. So Hassan al-Basri and her, and Sufyan al-Thawri and her, there's a lot of stories between them, okay? All right, there's a lot of stories that go on between them. And so she always comes out as the person who is more ascetic than them because they're still involved in the world, right? They're very much involved in Hayat al-Dunya, okay? So, John, I'm going to need to use that iPad because this iPad is not opening up. So, how do you think it's good? All right, this is 79%. This has zero. I don't know what's going on. All right. Um, all right. Now, let's take a look at her story. Her father was a very, very poor man, and he had four kids. She was the fourth, and she's named the fourth. But her father eventually died when she was young. And where are we? We are in Basra. Basra is at the corner between Iraq and Persia, and it's on the water. It's, uh, I guess it's a coastal town, right? And it still exists called Basra in Iraq. Let's take a look exactly where it is. Yeah, it's still an Iraqi city called Basra, or Basra, right? Let's see where it is exactly in terms of the map. Uh, it, yes, exactly what I said, right? It's on, it's on the water, okay? Basra is right at the tip okay and it's a city it's a whole area that 
is right at the edge of Iraq, Kuwait, and Persia, Iran. And the Arabian Sea is right there. So that's where Basra is. And Basra is the second city of Iraq. Kufa was the number one city. Kufa was a city established by Sayyidina Umar bin Khattab. It, the idea of it. He then sent Sa'd ibn Abi Waqqas and Salman al-Farisi to find an area of land most similar to Arabia for the Arab soldiers to reside in. Okay. So uh, that was Kufa. Kufa meaning flatland. And then Basra was in the corner. That was a second city. So Kufa was the greater city. Basra was like, even when they left Kufa and they established Baghdad, Baghdad was the number one city and Basra was the second city. There was also Dar es Salaam for a period of time, if you look at the history, and that was also a more important city. So Rabia is born there and her father dies when she's young. She's traveling to the city of Basra with her mom and her siblings. And there she gets raided by thieves. She gets taken as a prisoner, basically, as a slave. And she's made to sing and entertain these slave masters. And there, it ends up happening that, I guess, my guess is that the situation is so bad. Imagine this, like you're a little girl. Your dad dies. Your family gets raided by these bandits. Your mom gets killed. Now you're like a slave. And you're asked to entertain these absolute strangers. Like, what would happen to the psyche of somebody? Her psyche just went inward. And she turned all her attention to Allah, according to this legend. And that's how she put away her misery. That's how she washed away her sadness. And I'm telling you, sadness is a soldier from the soldiers of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon a person. If you handle it properly and you realize that this soldier is coming for me. This jund, jund min junudillah, it is a soldier. It's coming to transform me. There is no pushing it back and you turn straight to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You turn completely inward. You're going to find gems and you're going to find a new future. You're going to find a door eventually. You're going to go deep down into that water. And you're never going to want to look back at the reality of things anymore. Okay. Like in the same way that they say that uh, Mark said, and this is always said in the, in, the, in the Western Hemisphere, that religion is the opium of the masses. He's right and wrong. Opium in the sense that it's a way to disappear from something. Right? But he's wrong in the sense that opium harms you. It doesn't improve your reality. Iman does improve your reality okay it does improve your reality and it transforms your reality completely iman it transforms it so you're gonna go you can't look at the reality it's so bad you turn inward you're gonna dive deep you're gonna start finding things you're gonna find a door that door is gonna open up you're gonna open up that door you're gonna find a world that is so vast and so much better than that world that you left behind that's when someone turns to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with their sadness. And it would seem, from my analysis, I've read like three or four biographies of her in the past, brushed up on it today. That's basically what she did in her life. 
that it was so bad. It is said that she was running away from these bandits. Her mom just been killed. And then she broke her ankle. She got caught. And then she's like, she's got to entertain these people. Who, who knows what else they did with her, right? I mean, you can imagine. These are bandits. These are not some polite people. Misery. But she turned to Allah. That's how she became a legend. And her zuhud is out of this world. It's said that she started to pray the night prayers and she refused to sing for these people. That they basically, it was a war between them and her to the point that they gave up on her because she was so stubborn. I'm not serving you people anymore. They gave her up to a pious man. The pious man saw her, learned about her case, took her. He basically gave her a room and asked her basically to do nothing. She basically had some basically nothing to do. She just worshiped Allah all day and night. And she would, she never missed a tahajjud. It is said that one of her tahajjuds, she prayed tahajjud so perfectly one night that she saw a vision in which she saw a wonderful golden tree with fruits hanging down. Except that a couple of the fruits had fallen on the ground. And she thought to herself, if only those fruits were on where they belonged, on the tree. She then heard a voice said, Ya Rabia, that those fruits, they fell, the fallen fruits, is when you were thinking, did I shut the fire off on the stove or not? Like, did I put out the fire or not? Like the thought came to her mind, did I put the fire out or not? That one thought passed by her mind while she's doing tahajjud, and that was... Like the, the manifestation of that imperfection in her prayer was that. Okay. She met with Hassan al-Basri so many times, and she has a lot of sayings. Today, let's read her sayings. Because the, the, sto the, the stories of people's lives, of these righteous people, there's not much to say in their life. life. It was, it's a spiritual biography, right? Like physically, out in the world, they didn't do much. They, they were just usually just doing a bad. But what they have to offer is their their sayings qalat rabi'a law kanat ad-dunya li rajulin ma kana biha ghaniyan qalu limadha qala li anha tafna okay is it if the entire dunya was in the possession of one man we can't call him rich right why because the nature of dunya is that it disappears that's the nature of hayat ad-dunya Hayat dunya disappears, right? That's why we can't call it. You can't, ha having dunya doesn't make you rich. We're all going to leave it. There was a wedding hall back when I was young where everyone used to get married in. That wedding hall was a popping place, right? All the cool weddings were there. You go there, dress up. Now, years passed, and for some reason, I was checking it out, like, for a rental. I got there. It had gone into different ownership. It had completely gone in complete disarray. When I got there, it was essentially shut down. I walked in. Nobody was there. Chairs were piled up. Paint was peeled off the wall. And when you see something that was popping when you were young, fast forward 5, 10 years, and you go there again, and it's in complete disarray, it almost feels like, subhanAllah, that's Hayat dunya 
It's going to be gone. It's going to be finished. She said, Ilahi anarat in Nujum, Wanamatil Uyun, Wagalakat, Wahala Kulu Habibin be Habibi, he will have the Makami Bainadek. She said, Oh, my Lord, the, the, shar, the stars are shining bright. All the eyes are closed, and all the kings have closed their doors. Every lover has gone in private with their beloved. And this is my maqam between your hands. In other words, every husband's gone to his wife, every wife with her husband. All the doors are shut. No more business, no government business, no private business. No one can go out. It's all dark. The only light is in the stars, and everyone's with themselves. But this is my maqam is with you. Every beloved is with their beloved, and my maqam here is with you. Ilahi hadha layl qad adbar, wa hadha nahar qad asfar. فَلَيْتَ شَعْرِي أَقْبَلَتْ مِنِّي لَيْلَتِي فَأَهْنَأْ أَمْرَدَتْتُهَا عَلَىٰ عَلَيَّ فَأَعَزَّ فَوَعِزَّتِكَ هَذَا دَأْبِي مَا أَحْيَيْتَنِي وَأَغْنَيْتَنِي وَعِزَّتِكَ لَوْ طَرَدْتَنِي عَنْ بَابِكَ مَا بَرِحْتَ عَنْهُ وَلَوْ وَقَعَ لِمَا وَقَعَ فِي قَلْبِي مِنْ مَحَبَّتِكَ Basically, she is saying, essentially, here the, the, the night has come and the beginning of her life begins at night with the ibadah. And then she goes on and she's saying that, essentially, if I was to be turned away from your door, right, there would be no way for me, there would be no turning me away. I'm going to keep coming back. I'll keep coming back. Ya Rabbi, atahriqu bin nari qalban yuhibbuka. Will you put in the fire a heart that loves you? and a tongue that remembers me and a slave who fears you right in other words fears disobeying your your rules okay. i'll take i'm going to bear with every pain and i'll be patient this is her see the, you're wondering where does this piety come from it comes from dhawq there's a concept you have to understand called dhawq which is when you go into this ibad and you've made sacrifice for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, dhok is the concept that you have a taste of the sweetness of iman inside of you. That is a result of efforts in dhikr and ibadah and taqwa. And when they have that dhok, all this hayat dunya starts to have no meaning. And the only meaning of hayat dunya is when you perceive it as a gift from Allah. Right? That's it. The only value you have of any dunya is that you perceive it as Allah's gift. She said, but there is a punishment. There is a torture worse than all the tortures of the fire and all the tortures of, the, of, uh, of hell. And that is the question of, are you pleased with me? For that is my true goal. In other words, she's saying safety of the body is not what I'm worried about. I'm worried about, is Allah pleased with me or not? Sayyidi bika taqarrab al-mutaqarribuna fil khalawat. By you, people have drawn near to you in private. Wali'adhamatika sabbaha al-hitani fil bihari al-zakhirat. Even the fish in the sea are praising you. وَلِجَلَالِ قُدْسِكَ تَسَافَقَتْ أَمْوَاجُ الْمُتَلَاطِمَاتِ أَنْتَ الَّذِي سَجَدَ لَكَ سَوَادُ اللَّيْلِ وَضَوْءُ النَّهَارِ The darkness of the night 
prostrates to you. Likewise, the luminous the illumination of the day. So all of these things, the, the moon, the stars in the sky, the oceans are all in prostration to this creator. Everything by you is measured. Right. For you, Allah, the dominant. Sufyan al-Thawri says to Rabi'ah, What is the reality of your iman? فقالت له ما عبدته خوفا من ناره ولا حبا في لجنته فأكون كالأجير السوء بل عبدته حبا وشوقا إليه He says, now this is very important to understand because many think it's heretical, but it's not. He said, I didn't worship him out of the fear of his fire or the desire of his paradise, but rather love for him. But if I had done so and worshipped him for the fear of his fire or desiring his paradise, I would have been a bad slave. So what she means by this, now there is an heretical part of this and there is a good interpretation. Well, what's the heretical interpretation? If Allah tells you to seek refuge from the fire, you better seek refuge from it. If Allah tells you to fear the fire, you have to fear it. If Allah tells you to desire paradise and ask for it, then you better do that. You're not better than his prophet who did that. What she means is that the core of my purpose is not to worship Allah for those sakes, but rather to seek refuge of the fire and desire paradise for Allah's sake because Allah commanded us to. Okay, as it's, This is how I'm going to get near to Allah. I'm going to get near to Allah by fearing the fire. I'm going to get near to Allah by desiring his paradise. As opposed to, I'm just going to worship Allah because of the fire. See, the order of things in our minds and in our hearts, that's what matters. And that's why making a dua for a worldly matter is different from the awliya to the common people. Okay, What's the difference? The common person, you just worship Allah in order to attain a worldly matter. So Allah is a means and the world is the end. But the awliya, they realize, my heart, I know my heart. It will be more filled with the gratitude to Allah if I was to, if, if he was to give me this generosity, if he was to give me this. So the dunya becomes his means and Allah becomes his ends. That's the difference between the dua and the raja of the awliya and the dua and the raja of the awam. Awam is like the common believer. Now, the common believer is not necessarily a bad thing, right? It's it's accepted because there's iman there. But there is maqamat. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us in Surah Al-Waqiyah, there's muqarrabin and there's ashab al-yameen. Muqarrabin, those who are near to Allah, ashab al-yameen, righteous people. It's a big difference. And that's why if the concept that I know my heart, if Allah was to give me this, my heart will be so full of gratitude for the rest of my life, I'm going to just be in ibadah. Right? I'm going to be colossal. My cup is full from the generosity of Allah and my heart will be solely dedicated to Him. So you've made the dunya as a means and Allah is your end. That's the dua and the raja. The raja means hope and desire of the awliya. And the common person, he's got the opposite. His goal and his means is some matter of dunya and Allah is just a methodology to get there. So he swapped it. Both are accepted. Even the one he just uses Allah as his methodology. Or this is my way, my tool to get my dunya is to worship Allah. That's acceptable. Because you're showing iman. You're doing ibadah. 
you're doing dhikr. There are a lot of businessmen, and I've lived with one of them. I'm telling you, what he loves, number one, is money. I lived with one of these guys. I like I didn't know him, and then we decided to live each other because we're buddies. It was just a room, and we just happened to be renting it, right, in college. During my, uh, actually not in college, it was my first, I needed to live in Connecticut for a little bit before I moved my family up. So I lived with these guys for two months. The guy does not ever want to talk about Allah. He does not want to talk about the deen. He's no interest. However, he eats halal food. He prays five times a day. And he reads Surah Muzzamil every single night. Every single night he reads Surah Muzzamil. And so I asked, uh, he said to me, you know what? Um, I read Surah Muzzamil every single night because I heard that if you recite it every night, you get rich. Now, I didn't know that there's any such hadith or any or saying, but let, let him recite it. Let him, ibadah is ibadah, right? If I was to say, I'm going to, your wasila method to draw near to Allah, you can bring whatever you want, right? So let him believe that. Recitation of Quran in general is an act. You're taking that act to Allah and praying for whatever you pray for. So I didn't ruin it for him. I let him do it. He prays five times a day. He doesn't eat anything except halal food because he heard that the dua is not accepted if you don't eat halal food. He has no other concern except making money. He was obsessed with making money. Okay, this guy. He's an IT guy. He finished his degree. He married a guy in, I think it was a weird state, like Vermont. Some weird state, right? Well, I said married a guy, <laughs> married the daughter of a guy in Vermont. Okay. This guy owned like 10 gas stations. Okay. They own 10 gas stations. And he was very rich, right? On gas stations. So he married into that family. And then they wanted to visit. He wanted to, it's almost as if he married the girl to really get close to the guy. Right. <laughs> Super millionaire businessman, but you know these blue collar millionaires where his money is from like like non exciting things like gas stations. He owns like ten gas stations, motels, gas. Stations. The guy like never puts on a white shirt and sits at a nice business table like you imagine a millionaire. This guy never leaves sweat sweatpants, right? He's just wearing junk all the time. All these guys. The miserable guy at the counter and he's at the uh, little Indian marts and stuff. These guys are millionaires, right? But they just, they, they're blue collar millionaires, right? They, they never dress up. They don't even enjoy their money. They drive a rotten old Toyota, but they love money. I bet it's in Fulus. He uses Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to get to the money. I fast forward. There were three guys. We all, me and the other guy, we went on a normal trajectory of people who worked. This guy, he jumped levels. And he now, he's got an empire alongside his father-in-law. Empire. Between the gas stations, between the other stuff that they got. They went into some other business where they got into an app that Walmart outsources from them. Right? Like Walmart outsources one of their services. He's an insane. So Allah gave him what he asked for. Right now, the test comes for those people. The test is going to come. Are you going to be grateful? You're going to forget who got you there. 
because there's a story in Bani Yisrael that's an amazing story of three uh, three people. Right? you want to timestamp this if you can. Timestamp it as the story of um, the story of the three men from Bani Yisrael or something like that. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala willed to test three miserable men. First man, he had no hair on his body. He was completely bald. No, no guy likes to go bald, right? Uh, he had no hair on his body, though, as a disease. No beard, even no eyebrows. So you're a freak of nature, right? If anyone has that, actually, so I shouldn't say that. Because some people may have a disease where they actually have no hair at all. So I shouldn't say freak of nature. But he viewed himself as something different from everybody else in a bad way. So Allah sent to him an angel. He said, oh angel, go and give this man everything he wants. So the angel went. He said, man, what do you want? He said, um, I would dream of having beautiful hair and a beautiful beard like everyone else, but even more beautiful. And, uh, and then the angel said, and what wealth do you want? He said, oh, I would love cows. So the angel came, and this angel came as in the form of a wise man. All right? He made du'a for the man. Within some period of time, his hair grew back. A man came and gave him camel, uh, cows, and he became rich. Next man. This man, he had a skin disease, spots all over his skin. Of course, he views himself as, you know, something negative. And again, by the way, I was at the British Library way back in the day. There was a woman, she has boils. Her entire body is boils. You don't see her face. You just see boils and eyes and nostrils and a mouth. If you want to be thankful for what Allah has given you, you would look at this woman. Boils. Like her whole face is boils. Imagine. Like red red bubbles. Her entire, her entire body is like this. I feel so sorry for these people. He had a skin disease. So he said, a man said, oh, a wise man came, struck up a conversation. What would you like? Just dream. He said, I wish I had beautiful skin. And he said, and what wealth would you have? He said, I would have camels. So he gave it to him. And Allah caused him, his skin to be cured. And he has a male and a female camel, and now they start to get rich, reproduce and get rich. The third man was blind. Naturally, he said, I wish I could see. And I said, and what wealth would you like? He said, sheep and goat. So Allah gave him that. Then Allah commanded the angel, wait 10 years, then go back to each one of them. In the form that they used to be in, so he went 10 years later to the man in the form of someone losing his hair. You know how Gollum loses his hair in a bad way? So like he has like some long strands and it looks terrible, right? And he went in there with that hideous look. And he said, please help me. Give me a place to sleep. Give me some food. Give me some money, anything. He said, no, get away. He came to him with his elite, now the guy's married, he married a beautiful woman, he has friends, he's very popular, he's sitting at the head of the table, when this man knocks, and he despises the look, and he kicks the man out. The man comes back, he said, oh, man, he said, 
Weren't you someone who had a disease like me? Now, he's saying this in front of all these people. These people don't know his past, right? So he says, no. He said, I was always like this. So the angel then says, then may Allah keep you as you were. If you're always rich and handsome like this, then may Allah keep you like that, as you always were. Time passed, he lost all his money, and he lost his hair. Went to the second man. He says, comes as a leper, of course, the man sitting with his family and his rich friends, and he's enjoying everything. Boom, knock on the door. A leper comes. Please help. Lepers, you're ruining our occasion. Get out of here. So he says, wait, didn't you have the same disease as me? So you should sympathize with me. He said, no, I never had this. He said, you were always like that? He said, I was always like this. I was always like, my skin was always healthy. I was always rich. He said, but then may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make you as you always were. Time passed, lost all his money, got his skin disease back. And he went to the blind man. Again, at a situation where the blind man was at his peak with all the popular friends around him and everything. And he said, I'm a blind man, please give me. The man excuses himself. He takes the blind man to the side. He weeps. He said, oh, blind man, I have all of these camels, uh, sheep, and I have money, and I have a room to sleep in. You go and you take anything that you want. Take my shepherd and take anything that you want and sleep in this guest house as long as you want and go to the chef and ask him whatever you want to eat. He says, I'm just asking for a few coins. Why are you giving me all this? He said, I was in the past just like you, exactly how you are. I had no money. I was blind. I had no place to live. I had no friends. I had no wife. And a wise man came to me. And he said, ask whatever you wish. I couldn't believe that I would get all this. So I thought up and I dreamed up everything that I would desire. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave me everything. Everything to the last thing that I desire and more, Allah gave it to me. So you are now coming and I want to show my gratitude to Allah. Take everything you want. Whatever you want, take it. In the same way that Allah gave me everything I want, I'm going to give you everything you want. Because you have the same disease I had. And the same situation I had. The man was thinking, and he looked away from the poor man, the blind man. When he looked back, he found the wise man. The angel had changed form into his original form. The angel said, blessed are you, O Abd of Allah, O servant of Allah, blessed are you. This was all a test. And Allah has pronounced that you have passed it. Take your blessing now. And Allah has multiplied it ten times over. He became ten times richer and ten times more handsome and healthy, and his family was ten times more blessed. Because he had understood that the purpose of all ni'mah is to attain to a, your ma'rif of Allah. The purpose of blessing that Allah gives it to you, so you can be grateful. Not these other two, what they did, is to use Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as a means to gain the dunya, you're on shaky grounds. You're halfway there. Yes, you used the right source. You believed in Allah. But you still have to prove your loyalty. 
Her loyalty is not proven yet. Will you go astray or will you not? So always keep in mind when you are making a dua, always never ever stop keeping in mind that am I using ni'mah to draw near to Allah? Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, love me for the good things I've blessed upon you. Okay? Love me for the good things that I have blessed upon you. So if you think that, oh, if I ask Allah and he gives me this wonderful thing, it fills my heart with happiness, I'm going to love him more. So you are using the dunya as a means to Allah. You're going to be blessed. And that ni'mah is not harmful for you. But if you do the opposite, then you're on shaky ground. So that's what she's saying here. That's the interpretation that is acceptable. Someone asked me the question. I feel guilty making dua because so many people are poor. That's from shaitan. That is from shaitan. Nobody said that you are going to receive your blessing and just be selfish with it. Allah gives, he blesses some people to pour that blessing onto those who don't have it. He may give you and use you as a conduit for other people's ni'mah. You're just a conduit. And you get to keep a sliver off the top. Right? Like these investors. And the guy's got a portfolio of $100 million. You think that's all his money? It's like uh, 900 people's money. Right? That he invested. Made money off of it. And he takes himself a nice sliver off the top. That's it. Okay? Takes a nice liver for himself off the top. That's what it blessing is. That Allah Ta'ala may elevate someone like Omar ibn Khattab. And that gives all the Muslims confidence after that. We, we take from his confidence. We take from his power. But Allah didn't give it to us. He gave it to him. Likewise, a blessed, well, perfect, wonderful life of a mu'min. And that person is showing shukr to Allah and, 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 and encouraging ibadah. We are taking from that. So he's a conduit. So that's how you have to view yourself. Mablaghi wazadi qalil ma arahu illa zad abki um There's so many typos here. Kanat rabi'atu salli alf rak'a fil yawmi wal layla. Her ibadah was a thousand rak'ahs. What do you want from this? What are you praying so much for? Said, there is no specific thawab that I'm after. But I want the Messenger of Allah to be happy on the Day of Judgment. That one of his ummah worshipped Allah this much. فَيَقُولُ لِلْأَنْبِيَاءُ انْظُرُوا إِلَى مْرَأَةٍ مِنْ أُمَّتِي هَذَا عَمَلُهَا That she would say to the other, he would say to the other prophets, go and look at this woman from my ummah, this little girl from my ummah, worships Allah this much. سُئِلَتْ رَابِعَا كَيْفَ حُبُّكِ لِلْرَسُولِ صَلَوَاتُ اللَّهِ عَلَيْهِ Sayyidah Rabi'a al-Adawiyyah, it wasn't just zuhud and ibadah and love of God, it was love of the Messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. She said, how do you love the Messenger, peace be upon قَالَتْ إِنِّي وَاللَّهِ أُحِبُّهُ حُبًّا شَدِيدًا An intense love. 
ولكن حب الخالق شغلني عن حب المخلوقين it's only that the love of the creator has busied me from salawat in other words tahajjud salah has busied me from salawat on the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam we would say that love of the prophet sallallahu is the love of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because you're only loving the prophet because allah you know that allah loves that hatta rajulun min al-'ubbad fi majlis rabi'ah allahumma rad 'anni or hatafa rajulun min al-'ubbad allahumma rad 'anni qalat rabi'ah law radit 'anik he said oh allah be pleased with me a man said she said if you're pleased with allah allah will be pleased with you how do I, he says, and how do I be pleased with Allah? She said, the day that comes where bad news and good news are equal to you because they're both from Allah. قالت يوم تسر or تسر بالنقمة سرورك بالنعمة لأن كليهما من عند الله. The day that the bad news comes is equal to you as good news because both are from Allah. Except that one comes with pain, one comes with pleasure. But the result of both and the origin of both is Allah Himself. So that's what you should worry about, not yourself. The pain and the pleasure is you. It's for you. But the source is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There's one uh, one of the men, he said that, I'm more happy when my dua is not answered than when it's answered. This is not sunnah, it's just his perspective. They said, why? He said, because if my dua is answered, it's from myself. But if my dua is not answered, then I know Allah stopped it for what's better for me. Okay. We would say, even if your dua is answered and you're honest and you're sincere, do not have any belief whatsoever that Allah is tricking you and saying, okay, let's give it to him and trick him. No. Trick, trickery. And makr is only for those who do that to others. It's only for those who have makr for others. All right. Uh, how are we doing? Anyone call you yet, Ryan? Yeah. Who is it? Send him in. Send him the number. Yeah. Yeah. No, the Google, the Google number. The Dow Center number. Remember from yesterday with Shiza? Send him the Dow Center number. Okay. Why do we have breakdown and get hurt, sad to get consoled by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? If Allah just wanted us to turn to him, then why not just create us to only pray all the time? The answer to Maham's question is that we are human beings and we have stubbornness. And there are sometimes there is the only certain ways in which we will respond okay that's why so which should not be that we ask why does allah use hardships to make us sad and weep to him you should be honored that you're weeping to him maybe our hearts are so hard there was only one way into those hearts there was only one way into those hearts so that's what we should ask why did we put in ourselves in the position that the only way to Allah Ta'ala was through hardships. That's the real question. Okay, We cannot ask why did Allah do something when we don't like it. But when all sorts of wonderful things happen, we don't ask why did Allah do it.
All right. Let's see what we got today. We're only taking questions and answers on zuhd and, and wilaya and tasawwuf and dua and ibadah. That's what our Q&A is today. We did uh, Ramadan prep two days, so we're not doing that anymore. Go consult those videos. Pretty much we asked, answered every possible question. All right, go ahead. Uh, what do we make dua for when we are happy with everything? What do we make dua for when we're happy with everything? You turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in shukr. You, you make dua to be from the shakirin. Pray to Allah that Allah makes you from the shakirin. That you, Allah makes you grateful. If you have everything you need in life, what do I make dua for? To be from the grateful. All right, we have our first ever in history live stream caller. All right, who do I have? Hamza Hussein? Salam rahmatullah. Let's put you on speakerphone. Tafaddal. Bismillah. Salam alaikum. Hamza Hussein, what's happening? Hey, this is this is cool. This is- yeah, it's cool. It's nice. Uh, let's see if the volume can go up a little bit more. All right, not bad. All right, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, just first of all, thank you for you know letting me call in. My pleasure. Um, yep. Um. So I know. Um. I just kind of had a lot like. So regarding, um, like, you know, Ramadan prep and, like, you know, starting from Rajab and, like, you know, Rajab, you should sow the seed that Jaba and, like, irrigate and, like, you know, I had all these plans to kind of do all this preparation and, like, you know, Ramadan starting in, like, you know, a day or two and, like, I still find myself kind of in the same place. And, like, I didn't do any of the things I intended to do. Like, do you have any kind of tips on how to, like, last minute prepare for Ramadan? Well, all right. First of all, you all heard the question on Instagram and YouTube. All right. Question is basically, I never really prepared, as they said. I never prepared. I didn't do anything. How do I prepare for Ramadan? You hang up the phone right now. You go make wudu. You pray dhuhr. And you recite 10 pages of Quran. Don't think. Don't let anything get in your mind. When you need to act and you're, you're, when a thing is rusty, you need to just move. Don't think. Put everything aside. You need to take that first step. That's all you need is that first step. And that's what I would do if I was you. It's quite the blessing to feel at all, to hear, to contemplate, and be broken down and given the strength to recover, says Subhi. 100%. Mara Blanco says... What do you know about the widow of Imam in Nawawi? I don't know the history of it in the sense of there's a, he says there's a Maghribi style and there's a Mashriqi style. Mashriqi means east, Maghrib means west. I don't know which one is the better chain of transmission. I really don't, to be honest with you. Tell us about Wilaya. And the Shia use this word a lot. So Shia Wilaya is different from Sunni, what we talk about Wilaya. Forget the Shia version. The Wilaya, when we speak about it, has a number of terms, meanings, depending on the context. In the context of governance, we're talking about the word is the wali is the governor. In the context of marriage, the wali 
is the guardian of the bride. In the context of Islamic spirituality, the wali is the person who has drawn near to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with the obligations. He sought knowledge and then he attained, he fulfilled his, uh, uh, he continued with, with more ibadah until Allah loved him. And when Allah loves a person, to see the mercy of Allah is for everybody. And then there's extra mercy for the mu'mineen. Then there's wid and mahabba for the awliya. The believers are divided in the Quran in a number of surahs into two categories. The righteous and those near to Allah. Righteous Muslim is just somebody he avoids sins. In public you don't see him committing sins. So he has enough piety to keep his sins private. Right? And he's sincere in his heart to Allah and he fulfills the obligations. What more can you ask? But the, those who are close near, they go above and beyond. They go above and beyond. Okay? And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then announces to the angels that I love so-and-so. That is literally, there is a moment where you become a wali. There's actually a moment. It's like a ceremony. And he initiates this with a private discussion with Jibreel, in which he says, Ya Jibreel, inni uhubu fulanan fa'ahibba. I love so-and-so, so love him. And then Jibreel calls out to the angels, Inna Allah yuhibbu fulanan fa'ahibbu. Verily Allah loves so-and-so, so you love him. فَيُوضَعُ لَهُ الْقَبُولُ فِي الْأَرْضِ then the angels go and they whisper to the believers, love so-and-so, and they all love him. That's wilaya. And when someone becomes a wali, then his hearing, his seeing, everything he does is different. He sees what Allah wants him to see. He hears what Allah wants him to hear. He has a greater insight. There are privileges that come along with wilaya. That person's dua is answered. Now, why is their dua answered? Because that person has become pleased with everything that Allah gives him. So he has transformed his whim. Instead of loving what I love, he's basically going to say, I'm going to love whatever Allah puts in front of me. And so he completely transforms his whim. And his whim is right underneath the divine will. So whatever he loves, Allah loves. Okay. Whatever he loves is something that Allah has willed for him. There's like a, a link now. So therefore, when he comes to love something, he loves it before Allah creates it for him. It's something that Allah has already willed for him. So when he makes a dua for something, it is answered. It's answered because his heart is in line with the divine will. He's completely transformed his, by submitting to Allah constantly, he's submissive with his nafs. Then his nafs is completely transformed and completely aligned with the divine will. He senses and loves something that Allah is already destined to create. So that's the meaning of all of his dua is answered. Because his whims, it almost has a sixth sense now. And he does not love a thing except that it's something destined already. And that's why his dua is answered. And if anybody tries to harm him, Allah comes to his defense. And this is how mostly the way in which awliya are known in the old countries. That people try to harm somebody. But then something amazing happened to protect them. So that people now know he must be a wali. Because nobody could harm him. SubhanAllah.
All right, we have a question. I am Medic. You want to call in? You send in a message to info at safinasociety.org. But we need a we need a louder this man, this mesquine little thing. My phone is so loud. Right, just send send them this number. Send them my number because that your number is, and in the future we'll fix it. Send them the number for this flip phone. There is a hadith that says that if you remember Allah in ease, Allah knows you in hardship. It means turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the good times that Allah will know you in the bad times. Meaning you're in wealth. It's a time to forget Allah, right? When people are wealthy, they forget Allah. You remember Allah in wealth. You're young. The world's in front of you. You're curious about the world and you have so many opportunities. You remember Allah. How do you remember Allah? By following his rules. The, the people don't think that remembrance of Allah is only by dhikr and ibadah. No. The number one remembrance of Allah Ta'ala is follow his rules. Okay. Follow the sharia. It's really hard to follow the sharia when you're a rich guy. It's really hard to follow the sharia when you're young and you have temptations. It's really hard to follow the sharia when everything's going your way. The first ibadah is to remember Allah Ta'ala in the good times. Then when things go not your way and you need help then i will be there for you i always dream about the day of judgment and always i can't sleep because of the horrible dreams i pray five times too why don't you need to take the books about descriptions of paradise and read those books read about the description of pleasure in the grave and paradise let me know which tasbih is best or any surah or supplication. The greatest, if you want anything to go on the spot, is a salah on the Messenger. Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala Sayyidina My dua have not been answered for over a decade. What do I need to do to rectify? Make sure your food is halal. They emailed the question. All right. We are they, told. You want me to read it? Let me just answer right. this, Sister Mind Hosts. Hoist. Okay. All right. It says here, check your food. Check your belief in Allah. Do you believe that Allah is capable of answering you? Or do you just saying it while believing that he's not going to do it? Check those. You have to check those. You have to have absolute belief that he can do it tomorrow if he has to. Uh, if he wanted to. He can answer me tomorrow if he wants to. So you have to check. Do you actually believe in what you're asking for? Are you just saying it? but not believing it in your heart. You have to make sure I'm not saying she is or he is, but you have to rectify your your aqidah in that, the attributes of Allah, rectify your food. Okay, make sure your food is halal. Make sure your wealth is halal. What kind of job do you have? And maybe you are being taught a lesson. So be patient. I'm telling you personally, sometimes I waited for something 15 years. It's not easy to wait 15 years, right? Um, it's about 15 years. It's not easy to wait 15 years. I don't know. Okay. Who would be considered a wali in the modern day and age? There are many awliya. There are many awliya. Look for who is teaching fiqh and aqidah of Ahl Sunnah and acting upon it. Then look at those who are serving the Muslims and the community with sincerity and not trying to show off. Then look at who is suffering diseases and bearing them with no and increasing in their iman of Allah. 
Wilaya is levels. It's not just someone who's on the front lines. It could be someone who's in the behind the scenes suffering diseases, but being patient. All of these can be from the awliya Allah. Brian, you have something to say? We are told the correct opinion on the matter is whatever the ijma' amongst the scholars is. How does the lay person find out what the ijma' is on something? We are told that the uh, correct opinion is what the scholars have agreed upon or large swaths of Ahl-Sunnah have agreed upon. How do we know that? Is If I'm a common Muslim, how do I know that? Here's the answer to you. Who's the questioner? Who? Ajla. The fact that you're answering that, you're asking that question, indicates that you do not any longer want to be a common Muslim. You're, the fact that you're answering that has is your first step to being a student of knowledge. What it, when does someone become a student? By being frustrated or being ignorant, right? I remember myself. I hate the fact, like, hajj, zakah. Things like that. I hate the fact that like, I don't know what, what to do. I hate the fact that there's stuff going on. I have no clue what's going on. I hated the fact that people are talking about evidences and books and proofs and debates, and I have no clue what is being said. I would look, and there was Sheikh Ibrahim Osiefa. He was a young student of knowledge. And we were, I remember very well, him, and he was sitting with an M named Saqib. Both of them are shiyukh today in England. And we were sitting in, the, in, in, a, in an old madrasa, where we used to have the lunch in Morocco, Fez, Morocco. We have the lunches and the dinners and the breakfast there. And they were discussing some point of the Sharia and names, verses, hadiths, books were all being mentioned. And I'm sitting there. Tark Masidi was next to me. We were just looking at them. What are they saying? I loathed and despised being ignorant of what they were saying. That's the beginning that this sister, or I think that's a sister, right? Or a brother, maybe. It's a sister. That's the beginning of being a student of knowledge. The frustration. I remember being in Umrah. Right? And, okay, what do I do next? Oh, can I do this? Am I allowed to do that? What ignorance is this? I hated it. So I committed. I am not going to be ignorant. I need to know everything. So I got a hold. My dad bought me. He went to a different Umrah. He brought, came back with the Risala of Ibn Abi Zayd al-Qairawani. So I was like, wow, the Risala. I never, I heard of so much about this book. I looked table of contents. I want to know at least what is this book talking about? I started reading the table of contents. All right, so, so purification, salah, so, som, zakah, hajj. I was like, okay, that makes sense because that's like the five pillars, right? Right there. And then he goes into what to eat. Then how to get married. I was like, there's rules on how to get married. Then there's rules on how to get divorced. Then there's all sorts of other things. Words I never knew about, even understood. Shufa, right? Things like that. And then inheritance. I opened the chapter on inheritance. It was just like reading Chinese to me. I understand a word that's being said. So that fueled just a frustration and an anger. I would say for about 10 years, all I ever thought about every single day was to erase this ignorance like i just want to come to the day where i see an islamic library where i hear an islamic talk and i know what they're talking about and i could pick up any one of these books and read it my arabic wasn't good enough i'll get one of these books right here is 
a copy of the Risada, not so romantic looking, right? Just a modern print. I like the old prints. I would look at these books. I would not know any word except for Ida, okay? Qad, Qala. That's all I knew. Anas, stuff that's in the Quran. Min, I knew what Min meant. Inna, I knew that. But I didn't know anything else. And that sister, if she's asking, how do I know the Ijma'a? For a common Muslim, you're not common if you're asking that question. The common Muslim doesn't ask that question. You're on the beginning of your path to knowledge. So keep studying. Keep learning. That's how you're going to know the difference. Baha'i B. I also think people forget God conscience, consciousness when they are super wealthy. Poverty is an easier test than wealth. Being ignored is an easier test than being given attention. That's why Allah doesn't test people with what is too difficult for them. That's why there are more people who are just common, regular old folk than special. How many special people are there? They usually say the 1%, right? Like their worldly life is special. You know how hard that test is and most of them fail. Prophet said, I looked upon paradise and found it's all poor people. Meaning most of it is poor people. Okay. He said, and I found the majority of them are poor. So, it's not easy to be rich. By the way, today, tonight at 8.30, Celebrate Mercy. Go to celebratemercy.com or .org. We might not be able to do the mullah because there's Aza, the founder of uh, one of the big Islamic organizations. His dad died. So we have Azat, which is condolences at the masjid. So, yeah. I'm sure Qari Zahid will do a qiyam. Salam, I mean. Nuri Pai, what if someone is suffering from a severe disease for years? It only makes them Allah love, love Allah more, but they still want to ask to be cured from it. Does it take away from that love? No, it does not. The fact that you're making du'a, you're drawing near to him. But frame your du'a as, oh Allah, I'm right now, I love Allah for what he's given me. But if you were to give me this, I would love you more. That makes your, what you're doing, what you're asking for is a means to a higher goal rather than just taking Allah as a means to a worldly goal. That's the big difference. Uh, what's the book you read? It's the Risala, Cozy Chloe. She's asking, what's the book? Risada is the intermediate book in Maliki law. What you need to do is you need to go to MyArcView Basic. You need to sign up for ArcView, myarcview.org. And you need to look for, type in, like, look for Maliki Fiqh. And I need you to listen to the course called Ashmawiyah. Ashmawiyah in Maliki Fiqh. And begin your study. And I've taken over the intro. Harun was doing the intro. I've taken over the intro. Harun's going to do the advanced students. Because I love the intro students. I love the person who is just learning. Because that was my favorite time, you know, as a student of knowledge. But it was like scary in a sense because I never knew if I would make it or not, right? I never knew if I would learn. I never knew if I would actually be able to do this. So it was scary. But alhamdulillah, I learned. It took a long time. Some people are better students than others. We read Ashmawiyah, Akhdari, Ibn Ashir. That's three levels of intro books. 
So study these courses on my arc view, May 22nd, uh, May 22nd, I believe. All right. We are, no, it's going to be May 24th, Tuesday, May 24th. We are back to studying Madiki law, Madiki fiqh. All right. Ibn Ashid is my class. All right. So in, in the meantime, when you sign up, you can join the Madiki fiqh uh, WhatsApp group and we can discuss questions. So you need to move yourself from, I'm a common Muslim. You need to start being a student of knowledge. Baha'i B says, what to read if there has been black magic on the family? They need awrad. They need awrad. Okay. Children who have suffered from narcissist abuse. In general, in general, awrad. Awrad. What is awrad? Morning dhikr, evening dhikr. Now, I have to record a faster morning dhikr because the, 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 the mashhud, the brother, he doesn't want his name mentioned, so we won't mention his name. He recited it very slowly and nicely. You're going to go, I'm going to put this down right now, safinasociety.org. Who's there? Yahya. What's happening? Backslash weird. Okay. And I'm going to hit at Baha'i B. Baha'i. Are you Baha'i? I hope you're not Baha'i. She better not be Baha'i. There. I've just added you. At. Okay. There's a morning word and an evening word. And you eventually it's going to take you five minutes to read it. But if the whole family is doing those, every morning, every night, it's going to take time, but the, all these shayateen will leave. What do you got? Is there an intermediate stage between Uwaylam and Ulama? Is there an intermediate stage between Uwaylam and Ulama? Yeah, there's like a gradation, right? There's a gradation between a common Muslim and an, 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 a new student of knowledge, intermediate student of knowledge, advanced student of knowledge, teacher, right? And scholar. And there's levels of scholarship. How do you know? Um, Cozy Chloe said you won't be able to do the No, we usually have a vicar Every Thursday night But we might not be able to do it tonight Because there's a condolences Which means azat, we have to give condolence to the person Whose dad died And that's going to happen in the mosque So the masjid will be And then I have to come home for Celebrate Mercy Right, the Celebrate Mercy event tonight So I can't do it after I shot How do you know If a person is beloved by Allah very simple. Prophet says, if Allah loves Abd, he increases him in knowledge. If Allah, sorry, correction. Whomever Allah wills good for, he gives him fiqh in knowledge. Okay? He gives him fiqh in knowledge. And then he uses that person. The most beloved people to Allah are those who are most beneficial to the creation. Being beneficial to the creation, let's say I don't have any need to offer the creation. I just go to school and come back. Go to work and come back. You can make du'a for them. Start being beneficial to the creation by making du'a for the ummah. Making du'a for the guidance of, of those who need guidance. 
What's the best way to give dawah to pagan parents or polytheist parents? Says Haya Illustrates. Do you illustrate, Haya? If you will illustrate, guess what? We're actually, there is a, an artist on Instagram that's making us a like a painting of the theme of Safina Society, which is the Hadith of the Prophet that says, uh, my family is like the Ark of Nuh, and my companions are like the stars. Whoever gets on the Ark is saved, and whoever, whichever star you follow, you'll be guided. So and it's and the, the other hadith of the Prophet I said him that the end of time is like fitan or like the waves of the dark night. Right? So the theme is the ark on a on a rough ocean and the stars are out there. Okay. Uh so that's the mural. And how did I get this idea? It was from a little Bengali mosque in the middle of London. Now, if you know the way that the Ahnaf give the khutbah, they give a long talk in Bengali first. Then they get up and they read the same Jum'ah khutbah in Arabic, takes two minutes, every week. Then we pray to Rakaz, right? At part of that khutbah, he used to recite that hadith. And I used to just visualize it. I used to visualize it, like stars, crazy night, and a ship on it, right? So that's where we got this idea for Safina Society. We got to do this together. So... She's making a mural for that. And we're going to auction it off for the benefit of the Dawah Center and the foundation. So maybe Haya Illustrates could also be part of that. And she could do something like that. And of course, the artists will get paid for their efforts. And then we're going to mark up the price, maybe double. So that's going to go towards people could put that mural in their house and they could think about it. Hadith of the Prophet. The Prophet has created an image for us for a reason. So powerful. Someone says, now, now to answer her question, how do you give dawah to pagan parents by being a good example? Be a good example. Have taqwa in yourself. Maybe some of the light in your heart is going to go into them. But be good. Be a good example. Don't ever debate. If you want someone to love you, don't ever debate them. Don't ever argue with them. Be generous to them. If there's tension, move away. If there's positivity, go forward. And put a lot of light and ibadah in your heart. That light and ibadah will spill onto them. I feel, this is mind hoist, says, my blessings are being stripped away. If your blessings are being stripped away and you're reacting by making tawbah, then this is good for you. Ask yourself, what am I doing haram? That's one of the things about opening up these books of Islamic law. Is that I used to open up this Islamic book and I say, okay, I need to draw near to Allah. How am I going to draw near? It's not going to be my my way. I'm not going to be like a hippie and like, okay, I'm going to be a vegan because I want to be more spiritual. Or I'm going to wear some ridiculous bracelet. All right? No, this is all randomness. I'm going to look at what he said in his law that I'm not doing. That's the methodology. Or sunan. There, there are sunan. There are books in the sunnah where you can read the prophet used to do this prayer. He used to say that prayer. But more importantly is the law because it's easy to do prayers. Everyone loves to say prayers. The kuffar love to hymn and hum and, and do, uh, what do you call these, mantras. Everyone loves meditation. The hard part is disciplining your ego. So I said, okay, what? just really prove that I want this. I'm going to look in, this, in the sharia. What am I doing that's haram? 
and I'm going to fight my ego. That And I use dhikr is needed to help fight my ego. That's how I utilize dhikr, is to help me fight my nafs. Because as Ibn Qayyim said, munafiq loves good deeds. Only the muttaqeen contradict their nafs, contradict their egos. All the Hollywood stars are all Buddhists. They're all meditating. They're all believing in higher powers. No problem with that. But who is saying no to their ego? That's the real question. Say no to your ego. So that's where you want to be wali from awliya illa? Lower your gaze. You spent 20 years, 30 years trying to do that. Lower your gaze. Avoid looking at what's haram. See how hard that is. This, you're, you're going to war. War. Okay. And women have their own wars too. SubhanAllah. J-Force Tennis. What is the path to finding your spiritual sheikh? You just have taqwa and make a lot of salah and salam on the Prophet and Allah will lead you where he wants you to go. Have taqwa, follow the law, but do a lot, a lot, a lot of salah and salam on the messenger. That will be your path. Allah will show you someone who is going to be of benefit to you. Can you drop the link of the WhatsApp of the thick WhatsApp? Okay. Uh, YQWBDNTW. Send an email to info to Ryan. Info at safinasidi.org. Ryan will get the email. Put your cell phone number there. He's a WhatsApp. You're you're an already an ArcView student. He'll add you to the thick ArcView uh, WhatsApp chat. Since it's for the ArcView students, you're already an ArcView student. Um, and Ryan will add you to it. We've made ArcView so simple. 10 bucks a month. Two cups of coffee. Just basically free. Hussein Huda says, how to make tawbatan nasuha. I'm telling you, you want to draw near to Allah? Study the law and follow it to the best of your capability. It's not easy. You're going to prove it by your actions. If you pray... Mutawarruk in salah. What is tawarruk? Tawarruk is a way of sitting that is the way of the Prophet. In that you sit on your left thigh and your left ankle is under your right calf. So it's sitting, but you're slanted that. Your feet are both slanted this way. It's called tawarruk. Can you prop yourself up with your left hand and splitting, instead of putting it on your left knee? No. If you need to prop yourself up on your left hand, then don't even pray tawarruk because it's more important to put your left hand on your left knee than to sit tawarruk. Ryan, what you got? From Eric Knowles, Al-Baghdadi. What are the different ranks within the awliya, please? And could you briefly outline the responsibilities that Allah places upon them? The awliya have a lot of responsibilities. The awliya, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they are of different levels. The first level, he is the wali of Allah. He doesn't even know it. Usually those are the common Muslim who has borne the trials of life in a way that so pleased Allah. So he does, he's wali of Allah. He doesn't even know it. And the people don't know it. Then there's someone who's wali of Allah whom he's a wali of Allah. He doesn't know it, but the people know it. Some of the scholars see this marks of wilaya on them. Usually that is 
it could be someone hidden as well in the community, regular person in the community who doesn't even know that he's doing everything right. Like he's he's acting upon what he thinks is right, but he doesn't realize how blessed. Okay, for example, he's sick and he's bearing with it so patiently. He he just thinks I'm just being a regular Muslim. But he doesn't realize, but the scholars see his reaction and they know that he's okay. Third person, he's a wali of Allah, he knows it, but nobody else knows it. That's the one who keeps his worship private. Someone who does an intense amount of ibadah all in private. When he comes out in the front of the people, he looks like a regular guy or a regular woman. Nobody knows them. But they do such ibadah in private and they have their own spiritual experiences in private with Allah. So nobody, the people don't know them, but they know. And then the third is, or the fourth, is the one whom Allah knows, the people know, and he knows. That is someone who's very public in his religion. So people see his righteousness, the scholars testify to it, his, his knowledge and his piety and his service to the ummah, okay, and it's public, so he's doing it. So he knows and they know. Every type of wali, he has a responsibility of what's in front of him based upon the tools that he has. Okay. If he has night prayers, he owes the ummah to remember. He has to remember them in their prayer. And that's many, many women in the past history. Their wilaya is remembering the ummah in their prayers and calamities do not fall on the village because of their dua or they fall and they're blocked her dua has made an umbrella over the calamities all right under the calamities so the people are safe then she dies and the calamities start happening then they know it was her all right so can you explain the name of allah al-jabbar al-jabbar has two possibilities there's al-jabr and al-jabbar al-jabbar is the one who who fulfills justice without any fear this is one of the meanings of al-jabbar it does not matter what strength no, i shouldn't say without any fear without any hesitation like there is it doesn't matter what how strong you are if allah wants to bring the justice on you he's going to bring it if he wants to bring the justice he's going to bring it al-jabr is the one who brings two things together brings two opposite things or broken things together prophet the bringing the broken heart together hi illustrates she says i do all right then send us a dm or you can send either safina's idm or info at safina's send an email there and we'll send us show us your work and if our little uh marketing department likes what they see they'll ask you to be part of this how much do we spit out of our wudu so we don't break the fast you're going to spit out all the water when you make wudu brian what you got sunshine asks, can you give an advice to teenage girls in public schools to start a worship routine to be on the right path and benefit from ramadan teenage girls to benefit from the month of ramadan is to get a halakha of quran Bring, bring your friends together. If you're ever sputtering in your in your deen, if you're sputtering in anything, like I, I stink at anything, do it together. By doing it together as a group, you find you find it easy. So bring your friends together. Bring and, and do a halakha recitation of Quran. Anytime you're sputtering, don't rely on yourself alone. Bring your friends. You're going to go on the momentum of the group. Hi, illustrators. I can pray. When I'm away in uni, that means she's British, because they're the only ones who say uni. 
Back at home, I can't pray as my parents don't know yet that, and I am not financially independent. Am I sinful? You can pray at that point in your room, close the door, and make salah. This is going to sound controversial, but it will be a valid prayer to pray in the bathroom. People don't know this. What is the haram and what is impossible is that there's najasa there, okay, on the floor. But if you're going to miss the prayer and you cannot pray and you can't go alone and you have no privacy, what is better to do something discouraged, which is to remember Allah in a place that should that that, that his name should not be remembered? It's discouraged or to miss the prayer. What's better? So you would have to just find a place to observe the prayer. And if it is impossible, Wizard of Oz, then make him up at the end of the day. But try to find a spot. To Bensam, TBNSM, are we supposed to raise our hands every time we say Allahu Akbar in the prayer? No, only the first time. Allahu Akbar, and that's it. Is it true? Is it a true dream if someone dreams of someone from Ahlul Bayt? It could be and it could not be. It depends. Okay, let's go with Ryan. What you got? Um, so, this question okay, which commentary upon Muqtasar Khalil? Is recommended for beginner student. If you're a beginner student, then you're not on commentaries from Mukhtasar Khadir. But Al Hattab is the one of the best. Al Hattab. Al Hattab. Or Sharh al Kabir. Ahmed al Dardir. If you're a beginner, you're not reading Mustafa Khadir. If you're if you're if you're maybe so you're gonna read Al Hattab or Al Sharh Al Kabir, Sidi Ahmed Al Darzir. Sidi Ahmed Al Darzir he he wrote Aqrab Al Masalik. That is the pre book before you read Khalil. It has in it about seventy five thousand issues of fiqh. Muhtasar Khalil has about three hundred thousand. That just goes to show you. He then wrote a commentary on Aqrab al-Masalik, which is called the Sharh al-Saghir, the small commentary. He then wrote a commentary on Muhtasar Khalil, which was written by Khalil, obviously. And that's called a Sharh al-Kabir, the big commentary. So he has two commentaries. Okay. Uh, Samira Ali, what book do you recommend for Salah on the Prophet? Easy. Dala'ilul Khairat. No doubt about it. Dala'ilul Khairat. Brian, what you got? Can someone go for Amrah before they go for Hajj? Can you do Amrah before Hajj? It's better to make Hajj first, but let's say, yeah, I mean, it's better to make Hajj first, but if there's a situation where you could possibly make Amrah, but you could not afford Hajj, then yes, it's not going to invalidate it for sure. Definitely is not invalid. Muzammil Khan says, what is meant by tajad, tajid I don't know what that me- that is. Could you give me elaborate? Maybe give me a link or something where or in the Arabic. I don't know what that means exactly. Activist too. He would like to know what is my original ethnic background. Egyptiano. Should Salam Aisha says, should we avoid sharing our dreams? You only share your dreams to those you trust who will not have hasad on you, and to a trustworthy interpreter. 
Why? Because the Yusayna Yusuf, he was a boy. He shared his dream with his brother. They had hasid on him because they knew what it meant. And they tried to reject it. So they put him in the well. Ryan, you're up. How can someone be close to Allah and never lose it? it repeat. <laughs> How can someone be close to Allah and never lose that closeness? Be grateful. And fear losing it. The question is, how do you be close to Allah and fear lose and, and, and not lose it? Fear the concept of losing it. When Iblis fell okay, from the from the rank that he was at, then Mikael and Jibril were seen shaking, their wings shivering of fear. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, and he knows, but he's asking them to teach us what makes you fear. What makes you shake like this? He said, we never imagined that Iblis would collapse like this and we fear that for ourselves. So, oh our Lord, how do we avoid ever falling from your graces? Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said to them, remain as, as you are. Fear the concept of falling out of Allah's graces and that will keep you within Allah's graces and his ridha. By graces we mean his ridha. Aqil. Call, tell him, can you tell him to call myself because my phone is louder than yours? No, no, just call it. Okay, next question by Cozy Kalu. Can you type the book name Dala'ilul Khairat? And you could type it in YouTube too, and you could listen it to it. Dalail, oops, auto type as Dalai Lama, Dalail Al Khairat, which means the the pointers, the things pointing to the good. Can you explain how Istikhara works and what are the signs and when is it disliked to pray it? Yes, we can do that. Sheikh, what is your view on Ahmed Ridha Khan and Brailvi? He's He's uh, is said by many reputable scholars that he's the mujaddid of his time in India. Are insects halal to eat? Yes, they are. But you have to intend to eat it before you kill it. Okay? And, and how you can kill it by any means that kills its life, that removes its life, but you must intend eating it. We have a concept called the dhakat. Dhakat, the word dhakat is that um, the word zakat is the method of which makes something halal to eat. So for a cow, for example, is to cut its neck like this. For a deer, it's to hunt it. For a bird, to shoot it. Right? What about for an insect? Is to intend it. For a fish, no zakat is needed. You could find it dead and you can eat it. Okay, about the, the some of the brailvies uh, 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 on Sunni port, who wanted to ask me for a clarification. And they said, oh, why do you say that you don't care and have no interest to find out what the Diobandi said? I didn't say that. I said, I know the issues and I stand by those issues. What I'm saying is, it, I am not liable by the Sharia to go and find out who said what. I can't do tahqiq of who said what. I'm not liable in the Sharia to, to do tahqiq, to authenticate and to verify which scholar said what. And did he repent from it? I'm not that that part I don't care about it, because I'm not liable in the Shira to do that. 
what I am. But if you bring me the issue, which we have brought up and I have said it, and I stand by all those statements of Imkan al-Kid or the statement of the, the donkey, and they all know this stuff, right? I have said that before as Kufri statements, not from my fatwa. Fatwa of our Maliki scholars. I'm not a mufti. I'm just transmitting for you, right? And if it's the truth and it's what they said and it's uh, agreed upon, right? I, I have no fear, fear, fear of saying it. So that is stand by that. But do I have to make tahqiq of who exactly said what? I'm not responsible for that. Prove to me by the sharia that I'm responsible to go make tahqiq of that. Especially someone who passed away, who is not traveling the earth preaching those things. If he was traveling the earth preaching those things, then I do have to make tahqiq and verify that they said that so that I would not stand next to him on the podium. I would not support him. I would not fundraise for him. I would not increase his popularity because he's preaching some kind of doctrine that's false. That's the one thing. They also said to me, why'd you say some nice things about the tabligh jama'ah? Because the tabligh jama'ah, from what I per perceived, maybe not what you perceived, because they generally don't talk of theology, right? You have ask any person, do you ever hear aqidah class from them? No. So I'm saying from that angle, the common person who's going from mosque to mosque or house to house knocking, all right, I had not heard anything bad come out of their mouth. What their teachers, what their uh, uh, constitution says, if that's different, then we could judge that. But the common person of the tabligh, I don't even know if they know these aqidah differences. So that, from that perspective, also I've seen Habib Omar, he welcomed them, he said nice things about their founder, and he always has husnavan with them. And they said, okay, well, what's your theology and your aqidah and your position on certain groups? And my answer to that, okay, they, uh, is that all of these madhahib, Sheikh Said Fouda is somebody that I find to be the one of the most knowledgeable people in Aid al-Kalam today. And if you want to know his issues on whether he makes tabdir, he deems innovators, these people are not. He has a video on Muhammad Omar Mustafa's page where he, he holds them, these subcontinent groups, to be from Ahl Sunnah that may have mistakes or may not have mistakes. Right? So if I have to issue, not issue, I'm not issuing any fatawa. But if you ask me, I'm going to make taqlid of him. I'm going to follow him on his fatwa on these groups. So I hope that clarifies for those brothers who I heard are really nice, pious brothers who just want to make sure that things are, you know, according to the sunnah. I have the same sentiment as you do, right? We're on the same page, and that's my clarification. Gary Payton, 15. That's a throwback from the Seattle Supersonics. What is your advice from praying in airports when it's very busy and people are crowded and praying on the plane? You can pray traveler's prayer as much as you can. And if you're stuck on the, if you can't find a place to pray in the airports, then you may be forced to pray on the plane. But there's some discussions on those, by the way. That, okay, we got Aqid on the phone. We're going to get to Aqid's question first in a second. Um, but there is some discussion. And some of the Madiki scholars said that prayer should be repeated when you get off the plane standing. Because you're going to pray sitting, right? Only the Saudi airplanes on the way to Hajj, they have a prayer section in the back. And maybe some other airlines. 
All right, let's take the next one. Um, we got Aqid on the phone. Aqid, assalamu alaikum. Alhamdulillah, very good. What's happening? I just asked Ryan where I could type in my question, but he said I should ring you up. So yeah, ring you up. We're experimenting with having callers on the program on the live stream. Okay, Alhamdulillah. Yeah. Uh, my question was, what can you do to? Um, is there in Islam? Is there a concept that exists where you could have Rasulullah make dua to Allah for you for a specific thing? We are our wasila uh, uh, is by the Hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, in which. We say, Allahumma inni as'aluka. Oh Allah, I ask you. Wa and I turn to you. With your Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Binabiyika. So tawajjah, turning to Allah, has two prepositions. To and by. When you go to Allah, you have to bring a deed, right? You cannot go to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala empty-handed. So I'm coming to Allah. Okay, with what are you coming? Fasting. Salah. Zakah. One of the best is zakah. It's charity in general. Oh Allah, I come to you with this charity. This charity, oh Allah, I'm, I'm giving it to the poor. Answer, fulfill my need. Boom. That's wasila. That's called wasila. Wasila is a means by which you attain Allah's rida, uh, 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 or his pleasure and his answer. What the Prophet is teaching in this famous hadith that is sahih is that the greatest of all these means is the source of all the good deeds. What's the source of all the good deeds? Would you know anything about sadaqah without the Prophet? Would you know anything about salah without the Prophet? Would we have the Qur'an without the Prophet? So by the Prophet which means, according to Sayyid Muhammad al-Alawi al-Maliki, in his book, uh, matters that need to be corrected. He said, it means your belief in him, your love for him, your loyalty to him, you're upholding his sunnah, you're upholding his law, his sharia. All of that in the words, be Nabiyyik by your Prophet. So we come to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we take with us what our offering is our loyalty to His most beloved. And why does Allah love that? Because if we, the closer, the more we love the Prophet, the more we love His Sunnah and we will uphold His law. And the more we uphold His law, it's better for the world and it's better for everybody else. That is the meaning of that. But if someone had seen the Prophet in a dream and could say, make du'a for me, of course you would. All right, Aqil, does that answer your question? Yeah, so if so, we recite um, that specific du'a, right? Um, the one that you quoted, uh, Allahumma, uh, what was it again? Allahumma. Okay, it's in the other, I have to get it for you, I have the picture. Uh, yeah, but yeah, I got it, I, I do have a picture. You have a picture. Inni as'aluka wa ilayka. That's the dua. Yes, you specify the matter when you say for the fulfillment of my need. And need, need in the context of dua means any desire. Because the word haja means need. And need in the Sharia is anything that would affect your life, but not kill you. It would really negatively affect your life, but it won't kill you. That's need in the context of law. Need in the concept, uh, context of dua is anything. All right, we good? Okay. Uh, Kiel, you got it? 
Yes, you no? yes, you make will do and you pray two rakas, then you say this dua. Okay. Sure. Yeah, wait. Lorenzo says, Is deer halal? Deer is is halal to eat, of course. A deer is not an insect, lol. It says cozy Chloe. <laughs> I was asking if it was, I'm aware deer is not insects, lol. Okay. Muzammil Khan says, I heard that in one of your program named Power of Dua and Positive Thinking by Mikael Ahmed Smith. Okay. Dot, dot, dot. Go down to see where he is. Where's the rest of the dot, dot, dot. Um, wait. Was there a continuation? Because I can't see the rest of the, the, the comment. All right, Muzammil Khan, finish the rest of your comment. Um, what is the advice you give for someone who is consumed by their uh, empathy for others? If you're consumed by the empathy for others, then my advice is study the sharia, study the law. Okay? And because you have rights too. You have rights. And they're afraid, they give up their rights for others. They sympathize so much for others that they give up their own rights. And the Sahabi said, your own body has rights over you. Said man al-Farisi, he said to one of the young worshippers and Zuhair of the Sahaba, inna li jasadika alayka haqqa. Your body has rights over you. Your wife has rights over you. Everything. So this person gives from their own rights to others. So we say, protect your own rights as well. Ryan, what you got? Okay. Somebody is getting very stressed out about their tests and their grades. Um, and it's been a long time that they're starting to lose sleep. What should they do? What are they doing? They have what? What's their issue? School stress. School and stress that they're starting to lose sleep. Then you need more dhikrillah. You need to remember Allah more. This is a law. By the remembrance of Allah, hearts find tranquility. That's a law. So if you remember Allah and you and you don't find tranquility, you're not remembering Allah enough. And you could do the easiest remembrance of Allah is to listen to the Quran on headphones for 15-minute sessions at a time. Cozy Chloe says, what other channels do you recommend listening to this month of Ramadan? I recommend you to listen to the lectures of Rami Nisur, Islamic Law, and listen to all his lectures, and Yahya Rodas in spirituality. And Amin Muhammad in doctrine, Haqidah. Haqidah, Amin Muhammad. Type it in, Sheikh Amin Muhammad. Lower the volume. Okay. <laughs> you will need to lower the volume. You're, you're going to do this with your headphones. He has a loud voice because he's passionate about Haqidah. But you will learn so much by studying Haqidah from Amin Muhammad. Rami Nisur on Islamic law. Yahya Rodas in Tasawwuf. And there are a lot of beautiful playlists for Habib Omar, translated in English, on Muhammad Omar Mustafa YouTube channel. I'm going to type this in. Muhammad Omar Mustafa. He has a whole playlist for Habib Omar. Playlists. It's a YouTube channel. For Habib Omar and Doctrine and Aqeedah. Um, 
Saeed Fouda. Fouda. Listen to those two playlists on the Muhammad Omar Mustafa YouTube channel. It's translated. And Habib Omar's dua there. Amazing. Amazing. His dua there are amazing. Ali says, I know this, this, this uh, sister from a long time. Because she's like, yeah, I'm very much like younger, almost like a younger brother almost. Speak. I don't speak Arabic or read it. Is there any possibility that you could say that prayer in English? Will you just will you ask for something from along? You just mentioned it. Yes, it is possible if you don't speak Arabic to read the Arabic. And if you cannot even do that, to say the, the meaning in English. It means, oh Allah, I ask you and I turn to you by your prophet, the prophet of mercy. Muhammad, I ask, I turn by you, with you to Allah for the fulfillment of my need. Oh Allah, accept his intercession. So, Ali, this is recorded so you can just clip that out. Yisra'at says, is it haram for male female physician therapists to treat patients from the opposite gender? Yes. Unless, yeah, you, you should not touch someone from the opposite gender just because they give you money for it, right? And there has to be a need. Now, if it's an old lady, and you're a young man, no problem. If it's an old man and you're a young lady, also no problem. Because the old man is someone who, he doesn't have those, um, right? Uh, there is some room there. But if it's a young man and a young lady, no. Ryan, go ahead. From, so, from Suhaib Awan, how do you advise addressing young people who neglect their courses like math and school because of their extra prayers and dhikr. Someone's doing so much ibadah that he's skipping school and not doing homework. That type of person has taken the ibadah to be an escape. And the best of people are the balanced people. You have to have a financial, a worldly, and academic base to your life. Or else you will be a worshiper who's unemployed. And when you go poor, because you were lazy, don't expect divine help. You were poor because you were lazy. It's your fault you're poor. Then all your friends becoming doctors, becoming lawyers, becoming something special, and you're sitting there with nothing. Empty-handed and an empty bank account and an empty bed. Everyone else has a wife, a bank account, a job. You're going to be filled with anger and hatred and resentment. And, and shaitan will use this. Then you may lose off all your iman too. So we must be balanced people. This is why the great sheikh, Abu Hassan al-Shaduri, he never took on a disciple unless that disciple had a job. He knew the power of balance. How much you needed to be balanced. Gary Payton says, I had a question. It was two parts. And I still like your advice. Praying at the airport. You can find a little corner and pray. Uh, I found a, plot, a spot in Newark Airport where they have the stalls. They have these bathrooms that they're like traveling bathrooms, I guess. They put them up. Then they put curtains on the side. Right? So behind there was an empty spot. I just went there. Prayed there. Right? You just got to look for an empty corner and nook and a cranny. But I would warn you about the prayer in front of everyone. In the airport... 
being Muslim in an airport, remember there's a red flag. Are you praying because this is the last, this is it? You're going to blow up the plane after this? This is like your last prayer? So you have to worry about that. I prayed in an airport one time. In I thought I was, it was in an area where there was no plane leaving. No one was there. I prayed behind the desk. I got reported. When we, la we, when we landed in Oklahoma for transit, who's transit to San Antonio. So it was a Virgin Atlantic flight to Oklahoma, then to San Antonio. They pulled me in Oklahoma. And they sat me for questioning. I missed my flight to San Antonio. I had to catch the next flight. Right? All because I said at the end of it, what's going on? She said, the, the, the woman saw you praying in the alley. So this was very close to 9-11, where all just in their mind is that he's praying. That means he's saying goodbye to the world, right? And this plane is going to blow. So I was like, okay, how does it make any sense to, to call me after the flight? Pull him off before the flight, right? <laughs> how does it make any sense, right? So the fact that she got on the plane with me means that she doesn't really believe it, that you're going to do anything. You wouldn't get on. If you really believe this guy's going to blow up the plane, you wouldn't get on the plane with him, right? Ryan, you're up. When I went to, when I was just on the plane, I, I was wearing like a thobe and I was praying. And nobody, I think it's the name some of the times. Uh, I used too. to be afraid of it too much. Yeah. I mean, wherever they go, they pray like in front of everyone. And I lost that fear. Yeah. Although, like, you know, a lot of places. And, you know, that gave me, you know, strength in numbers, first of all. You feel good when you're with people. But now I don't feel embarrassed to pray. I don't feel scared. That's all. Only issue is that it's for sisters for the sujudas. Yeah. JFK has a masjid, by the way. Okay, we have JFK a question. Has a masjid, and they're threatened to shut it down because not enough Muslims are praying in it. So we got to go pray in it. I, I want to come to the UK, inshallah. Maybe next summer. Can you make dua in English while in sujud? Yes, if you do not speak the Arabic language. Oh, go ahead. Um, how can we become closer to Allah when we have daily mundane chores to get through? How do we get close to Allah? We're so busy with daily mundane chores. You can daydream in your mind a lot. And that daydreaming, it really can be something between you and Allah. You know, when you're working, when you're doing stuff. That daydreaming in your mind, do not think Allah has created daydreaming for no reason. Daydreaming is a creation. And it is extremely powerful. Daydreaming... If you realize the power of knowing where your mind is drifting to and controlling that now and redirecting it, you will not realize how much power you're going to have if you direct it to what is positive and through the creator. That at all times, you're sort of almost with Allah Ta'ala in your mind. Thinking about your needs. I have issues, bills. Why don't you take it to Allah? There was an old lady, and every time someone would bring her a question, she said, you're coming for my help? Okay, did you take the answer to Allah? They're surprised. Dua is not only in uh, this ritualistic prayer or ritualistic form. Dua could be at any time. You could take your issues to Allah at any time. We had a brother in Tom's River, New Jersey. This guy was a stray. He was one of the Egyptian guys. He was a cool dude. He came over. And he worked on the beach because we lived by the beach, by the shore. And of course, he went astray. And then he got a brain aneurysm. And he became half paralyzed, like his arm. He can't move in a certain way. He limps. So he's undesirable. 
This guy used to do Zena and do all sorts of sins, right? Smoking, drinking, doing Zena, gambling, slot machines, everything. Then he got in brain aneurysm and he couldn't walk right. A stroke, I guess. And he couldn't speak right. Young man. So what happens? You go to the masjid. The only people who accept me now are the people of the masjid. I ended up working with him one time flipping burgers and selling gyros off the beach. Right? And I would see this man talking, animated conversations. I said, what is going on with you? Is I talk to Allah. That's how I pass my time. I learned over time. He's an undesirable. He has no friends, nothing. He is so like uh uh he's in a foreign country. He has no uh ability to move around and walk like everybody else. So how did he pass the time in his life? Talk to Allah. So you always have that ability. You got issues, you're afraid of bills. Why do you keep it for yourself? Why are you holding it? Why don't you take that to Allah? Oh Allah. You've created so much wealth. Can I have some? Right? I need to pay some bills. If you asked any old 10 people in a masjid, and they knew you, right? Okay. Hey, can you guys help me pay a bill? I don't have the money. He, we could get, the bill would get paid, right? Imagine them the creator of these people. Like, like Oz, we got guys in the masjid that you know. Random guy, but you know his face. Whether it's from the Senegalese brothers, some of the older Daisy brothers, any one of these people says, Hey guys, after Salah, hey, I just hit some hard times. Could you spot me? I'll collect a hundred bucks. I need to pay a PACNG bill, electricity bill. It's going to get paid, right? So why don't you turn to Allah with that? At every turn, nonstop, turning to Allah with my, or I want something because our relationship with Allah is not only fear, it's want. I want something. We talked about that earlier. Ali said, can you repeat the dua in English? That's what she, her question was because I was driving and I got cut off. The dua, the translation of the dua is as follows. Oh Allah, I turn, I ask you and I turn to you by your prophet, the prophet of mercy. Muhammad, I turn by you to Allah for the fulfillment of my need. Oh Allah, accept his intercession for me. What's the Ijazah question? Rosewater had an Ijazah question. Let's go and find Rosewater's Ijazah question. Wayfarer, inshallah, will come to the UK as soon as maybe in the next summer. Rosewater, I can't see your Ijazah question. All right. Rosewater. Oh, maybe she put in the question box. Ooh, a lot of people. We forgot to check the question box. A lot of people. Uh, still don't see your question, Rosewater. So please uh, just type it in again. Isra says, I know both men and women have to lower their gaze, but is there a difference in the way it applies to both genders? Looking with pleasure is haram. If you have to look because of it's a doctor appointment or something, then that, inshallah, you will not be held sinful for until it becomes a look with pleasure. And, and in environments which do not, uh, which encourage looking, which force looking, it would be forbidden for us to create such an environment. Okay, next question. I didn't see the Ijazah question. What's the medical rule on plucking the eyebrows for unmarried women? In the medical method, it's not about married or unmarried. It's about the prohibition is on the ihdad period, the four months and 10 days after the husband dies. That's where it's prohibited. Why didn't you combine prayers before traveling? That's a possibility. 
Okay. Okay, Rosewater, is there baraka in eating with your parents? Even if you're not hungry, yes, there is. Anytime that you put a smile on your parents' face, it is a great deed. Brian, you're up. Yes. To this one, um, say if you have to decide between throwing away food versus, um, uh, like versus Being not gluttonous. Food, like, yeah, be, before you know, like eating too much and overeating, what do you do? Throwing away food or overeating? I would not overeat, and I would not order so much food next time. So, yeah, I wouldn't overeat. I wouldn't force myself to eat, and then my stomach gets bigger and bigger, and then it requires more food. Uh, Wayfair 99, shouldn't the beard be a fist length? Well, in the Madiki school, anything that is called a beard is acceptable. Fist length is sunnah. That's one opinion. The other opinion is all has to be fist length. Okay. But it is fard in the Madiki school to have a beard. The question is, what length? And the answer to that is whatever the Muslims call a beard is acceptable. But And that and one opinion is nothing beyond fist length because that would be like showing off. Momazing says, about daydreaming reminds me of a quote from Bahauddin Naqshaband who says the body of the merchant is at the souk but his heart with, is with Allah that's good beautiful Ryan you're up is attaining balance a lifelong journey or is it a station that you reach some people get really immersed in being balanced that they're not really present um, some people are always obsessed about trying to be balanced being balanced is a lifelong journey in my opinion but also there's balance in everything including being balanced for example Ramadan is not a time of balance time of making up for lost time Quran Bushra says can a woman recite Quran during menstruation in the Amatic method the answer is yes but she cannot touch the Quran so she can read from a tablet Wayfair has given the right Maliki answer good job Wayfair 99 like the Wayne Gretzky of of, of Sufi Wayfarers uh, Amin Abdullah can recite from memory or not from the Mus'haf, but can from a phone. We got some nice young Maliki Muftis here. TT Ansari, are there any special dot we recite to do well in job interviews? Yes, Rabbi Inni Lima Anzalta Ilayya Min Khairin Faqir. It's the dua of Sayyidina Musa. Can you put the dua? Yes, we will put it. For which topics is Ijazah absolutely necessary? Aqidah and Fiqh. Tajweed. Aqeedah and fiqh, even tajweed can be the basics you can give that without ijazah. Aqeedah and fiqh. You must, and it does, it does, it does not mean it like a certificate. It means that you studied with someone, you're in contact with shiuch, and they know that you're teaching, and they you have read what you study, what you're studying with a sheikh. Okay. Behavi, do you know any books about the angel Jibreel? Yes, there is a book on the angel Jibreel from the Mecca books. Dot com. Go to meccabooks.com and there is a book on the, the Jibreel. Alayhi Look for it. Ryan, you're up. And we're going to wrap up. Wow, we got almost two hours. Okay, I got three more questions. How do you go about choosing a uh, school of Aqidah? Some, she's saying that there's many Shayuk. Aqidah, the Aqidah is for the Hanafis, it's the Maturi Aqidah. For the Marikis, it's the Ash'ari Aqidah. For the Shafi's, it's the Ash'ari Aqidah. For the Hanbalites, it's the Hanbali Aqidah. But the Ash'ari Aqidah is acceptable for the Maturidis too, like the intro levels and the intermediate levels of the Ash'ari and Maturidi are mostly the same, essentially. Do the dead hear us? Yes, they do. At the graveyard, according to the Rabbis, 
Which is the Rajah opinion of the beard that you mentioned? I've heard it as the opinion from multiple scholars, both sides. I've heard it from both sides claiming it to be the Rajah opinion that uh, fist length is the minimum and that fist uh, and that anything that is called a beard is also accepted. I heard both. And Qadi Ayyad cites the first one that anything that's called a beard. Oh, that's a good question. I can't remember it mentioned, Aqrib Masadik. But I'll look in the end, last chapter. Usually they put those things in the last chapter. I'll just check that again. Last question Question is going to come from Ryan. You're up. Okay. Oh, okay, one more thing. <laughs> Saying, Madad Ya Rasulullah. I don't, the uh, thing is, it's it, you can have a technical answer permitting that. However, it's going to cause fitna. The people don't understand what they're saying, and sometimes they don't even know what they're saying. But the idea of madad, ya Rasulullah, is that, yes, um, we do get madad by the mention of the Messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wa By the dhikr of the salihin, mercy descends. So we do get madad like energy from that, right? So from that aspect, it's technically nothing wrong to say that. But from the aspect that people may misunderstand what you're doing, and you may be called a mushrik, next thing you know, none of the fathers want to marry you into their family. So you have problems. So that's the issue. Next. Okay, so I'm going to squeeze three in that could probably have quick answers. Go ahead. Can a Sayyid receive zakah? Can a Sayyid receive zakah? No. Sayyid means member of Prophet's family. They cannot receive zakah. Next. Are you familiar with Salat al-Azimiyah of Sheikh Ahmed ibn Idris? Salat al-Azimiyah of Sheikh Ahmed ibn Idris. I'm not familiar, but I, I should get familiar. Next. Do you need ijazah for tasawuf? Do you need ijazah for tasawuf? Well, tasawuf is a broad thing. What about tasawuf? Do you need ijazah to recite salah on the Prophet? No. Do you need ijazah to eat less? No. Do you need ijazah to pray to Hajjud? No. Do you need ijazah to um, read certain books? Maybe. Yes. You do. Because certain books of tasawuf, they're perspective based and they don't apply to everybody. Right, so you can see a lot of things in Imam Ghazali says that sounds really strong and difficult, it doesn't apply to everybody. Okay, what's better, dua accept divine decree or persistent dua? You don't know the divine decree in the future, continue your dua. What you have no business in the divine decree, we have the business of now, right now. This is perfect, I'm happy with it, and I'm making dua for something else in the future. That's our methodology. The, the, the kind the divine decree of right now. I say, alhamdulillah, my life is so much better than everyone else's, right? We should all say that because in, in a different way, your life is better than everyone else's. In your own ways, your life is better than everyone else's, right? Alhamdulillah for that. And in the future, I'm going to ask Allah for this because if I grant, if he grants it to me, my heart will be filled with more love and more submission and more ibadah. Why do we have opposing opinions in the sunnah? Because the Prophet Sallallahu uh, not... He left certain things for the scholars to discuss so that there could be variation in the ummah of a, in terms of legal opinions, and that's a mercy for us. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik. Nashhadu an la ilaha illa anta. Nastaghfiruku natubu ilayk. Wal'asr inna al-insana lafi khusr. Illa al-ladhina amanu aminu salihat. Wa tawasub al-haq. Wa tawasub al-sabr. Wassalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. And Muzam al-Khan, la khufun alayhim walahum yahzanun. It is about the awliya. Never worry about them, and they do not feel fear.